Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. And George, how tubular are your bells? Wait, what? <laughs> what? That's totally? The, that's the name of the song <laughs> from the movie. Tubular Bells? Tubular Bells is like the the inspiration for horror themes for the next 10 years, and it came from this movie. Yes, it is. Hmm. You know what's funny? The, the music at the end, like it, it has that, that traditional exorcist music and then it goes into like that loud chime Mm -hmm. it's like where did that come from was there traditional exorcist music before wait how's it go it's like a something like that but you don't want to do it too close because you don't get yeah that sounds a little yeah that sounds like almost like a jingle well it's it's a multi-instrumental multi-phonic piece chewing gum with the badass bass solo, do I sing it? I'm not going to sing it. I already sang it last week. I'd play it, but Dan doesn't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, we can play it for George's sake and then just and then turn it, it down out. really low. Hey, Siri, play the Exorcist theme song. She's... I didn't find the Exorcist yeah. on Apple Music. Why not? Tubular Bells. Just play Tubular Bells. Hey, Siri, play Tubular Bells. I didn't find tubular bells on Apple Music. All right, forget you then. Why does Apple Music suck? It's on Amazon. Hmm. Mm. So, George, the music from this movie, Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually hit until 15 minutes in on the cut we're watching, which is a little strange for Mm -hmm. a piece that becomes kind of iconic. But Mm -hmm. it's super creepy. It's got an interesting, like, kind of upbeat attribute, but yet still sounds creepy. Yes. It is not at all orchestrated like the Psycho music, which is important mm. because after Psycho, everything is orchestrated like the Psycho music. Right. And this does not share a lot of the DNA. And so after this movie, you're going to hear some very similar themes pop up in some very specific movies where it's a lot of piano, a little bit of strings, and just kind of a, a more chipper instrumentation, kind of a higher velocity impact on the keys, if you know what I mean. Yes, the music kind of uh, resembles the main character a little bit. What's funny is the first time you hear this, these chimes is when, she, when the, the mother's walking in the streets of Georgetown. So it's like, it's not anything going on. Like normally music like that, you're ex- it's, it's associated with the character, like the... the an intense scene. An intense scene a, or whatever. Yeah, a she's just walking. Scene. So it's like, that's the first time you hear it is when she's walking. This movie is scored in a very interesting way. It doesn't have the consistent score of like a modern movie. You know, it's not always omnipresent. And I think they do that for two reasons. One, it's not today. (laughs) But also I think because Mm -hmm. of the, you know, the subsonic kind of uh, games they're playing with the audience during the main movie, it would, uh, a score during most of those scenes would actually like distract from what they're going for. Now, let me get you just a clip so that George has it in his head. Some some tubular bells. Yeah, man. Now, what came first, Amityville or this? I want to say this has Amityville beat by about five years. Really? I'm, I'm going to I thought that was like a 72-ish. This was what, 73? 73. Amityville is 79. Oh, okay. So, post-Halloween. Yeah. Whoa. 
Yeah, because the music in Amityville is pretty eerie as well. Same kind of feel, that childlike, playful strings orchestrated. Well, here's a question for you. What was the score to Poltergeist? Same kind, same kind of sound. Because I'm trying, I can't think of like a specific piece that stands out to me. Some of these movies have like iconic pieces. Uh, you know, I think what we watch next week will certainly have iconic music, and maybe the week after that, you know, stuff you could recognize if somebody were, you know, playing it in the room. But I don't know that I could pick the Poltergeist theme out of a out of if a. If I heard it, I would know it right away. But I'm trying to. I I already have the Exorcist music in my head and the Amityville bouncing around. So I'm trying to remember what the Poltergeist is. All right, I'm going to click play on this. Uh, what is that? This video he sent. Yes. The tubular bells. Tubular bells. Tubular, dude. There's some really like nails on the chalkboard music at the very beginning of the movie, and then it just disappears. Like, And then after that, they've got the call to prayer, and then there's pretty much no score for the next 10 to 12 minutes until you get tubular bells. Now, George has listened to that. We're going to continue on. I'll put a link in the description. Uh, to where you can find that uh, without hitting our copyright strikes. But it's definitely on Amazon streaming. Uh, not sure why it's not on Apple. So that's the piece, George. That's that's Tubular Bells. It becomes kind of a, a mini hit in the early 70s because the movie's okay. such a hit, and it's so creepy. Hold on, though. Yeah. Because Travis said she's just walking, and you agreed. She's walking, then she sees Father Karras. Which is pretty important. What, seeing Father Karras? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, in the beginning, you think about Halloween, when you hear the score when she's walking with the pumpkin and then sits on the edge of the thing. and it's. But throughout the movie, it's already been established that that's kind of, everybody's got their own theme. You know, Michael Myers has his thing. Mm-hmm. Laurie Strode has her thing. With this, it was like, it just seemed out of the blue that it was playing while she was walking. But then, yeah, she does see Father Karras, but at no point is he ever the villain or the antagonist. But that's but that's very important, that, that scene when she sees him, because if she hadn't seen him, if she decided not to walk home, right. or if she had never seen him, she wouldn't have asked Father, what is it, Ayers or something like that? Dyer. Dyer. Dyer, yeah. So she would have never asked Father Dyer, I think it was Father Dyer, that she asked who's the, the mm-hmm. priest with the dark hair, you know, whatever. If she was never walking, that would have never happened. So that's a very important thing. And also, the rest of the movie, all those things that happen during the exorcism never would have happened. So that is really the first, that's really the first meeting with the exorcist. It is a very important scene, George, but mm-hmm. I think what Travis and I are referring to is it's not tied to one specific character. And no, it doesn't I get it. become yeah. like an arc within the movie that every time you hear the scary music, something specific is going to happen. Instead, it's just like, here's an opportunity to play our scary song. Yeah. And they play it again uh, later in the movie, at least at the very end. And then I forget how many times it plays during the middle, but enough that it became a, a cultural flagpole. Right? Sure. Well, it's definitely yeah, eerie. I, I get it. I get it. But she wasn't just walking. That was very important what happened. So let me uh, take George on a quick chronological journey to uh, another tune that is very distinctly based on the sound of tubular bells. It'd be like if you went to a band and said, hey, band, uh, you've kind of got a Pink Floyd groove, but what I really want is the, uh, the Exorcist groove. 
this is what you would end up with. Here I had them listen to the Profundo Rosso score from Goblin, Deep Red, on the state side, the uh, Argento Giallo. So again, link below if you want to check it out. You should, because it's the coolest song we talk about tonight. I've heard that before. It kind of sounds like the music from a John Carpenter uh, Halloween 3 type thing, too. It's Deep Red, bro. Dario Argento. The first Jolly I ever watched. Very, dis- you know, it's close. by design said, hey, yeah. I want tubular bells, but I want it played by Pink Floyd. And so he found a band that sounded like Pink Floyd and had them play a song that kind of had some of the same moves, right? The same musical ideas as tubular bells. Mm. Now. Yeah, that's very, very that's similar. Very similar. Mm-hmm. If you were to take that same aesthetic, which right now we're talking about kind of clunky pianos, minimal strings. There's a lot of bass in both those songs. Forget about that. Uh, Move the bass to the piano uh, for the purpose of this experiment. And then you were like, okay, I'm just going to play kind of the same attitude as tubular bells, but just a piano and some strings, maybe a little synth. Oh, and uh, I'm going to do it in uh, a similar time signature to that Umberto Lindsay movie from a couple of years ago. Listen to this music in that context. Okay, so regular listeners will know I harp on this occasionally. We listen to the Halloween theme by John Carpenter. And, uh, well, just listen to their reaction. I don't know that you get this theme without tubular bells. I don't know if it sounds like this. It might. I mean, in the end, John Carpenter does his own scores a lot of the times. But there's a certain kind of energy to the Halloween theme, similar tempo, that I think you can draw a line directly to tubular bells. Hmm. You know what's funny? I agree. The thing I love most about that song, that Halloween theme, isn't the high pitched piano keys. It's the doom, yeah. That's that like bass. That's, you moved it to yeah. piano <laughs> and strings. It definitely, that's what makes it eerie to me. And then once that goes away, and then they do like a nice little sail off of just the piano keys. That that to me is is what that song's all about. But yeah, it's completely. From the same. But then if you look at like Friday the 13th, they're just doing the psycho thing, right? Like, mm. if anything, the, it sounds, especially Friday 2, sounds a little bit like what Metallica will eventually do with the chromatic scales and the dun 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 dun. Just yeah. take it from the cello and move it to a distorted guitar two years later. <laughs> and you go from dun 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 to dun 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 dun. <laughs> and it's like, oh, now we're Metallica. <laughs> it's a very strange, the 80s are weird, but the 70s, uh, pretty chill. Upbeat piano, lots of bass. <laughs> There's a band, and they do a lot of different things, but I believe they did a bunch of Metallica songs on strings. Apocalyptica. Yes, Apocalyptica. Yeah, and they they were, they were cool. Yeah, so it's kind of like it went from the uh, Friday the 13th, and then Metallica did it with electric guitars, and then it went back to Apocalyptica. Hmm. I'd like to see, like, listen to those two side by side. Friday the 13th and Apocalyptica and see what they sound like. Now, is Apocalyptica after Metallica did that album with the orchestra? S&M. This is the Metallica podcast. Hold on. Let me go find the rest (laughs) of the info because now I want to know. Oh, we all love Metallica. Everybody loves Metallica. I have to say, I can't believe we watched The Exorcist and we made it a musical podcast. (laughs) Hey, we love music, and it's better than talking about jam and a crucifix in our private bits. This is true. Uh, 1999. Is it, though? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> however you get close to the Lord, I guess. 
Mm. Uh, mm. So S&M is 1999. Let's look at Apocalyptica. 2005. So there you go. S&M came first. Who would have thought? Actually, I think Travis right? would have thought because that's what he. Oh no, you, I thought you were telling me an answer. Fuck no, you. no, I was guessing. I was guessing. Uh, let's see. Active, I just remember buying that CD, and it was definitely before two thousand. Active nineteen ninety three through the present. But let's see when they actually started doing Metallica songs. Don't let me down, Wikipedia. I don't actually know <laughs> this information. <laughs> this is on the fly. Research on the fly. On the night. Dude, on the night. Inquisition Symphony nineteen ninety. Eight. So they were doing Metallica on cellos in the 97, 98. So they actually had us an beat. Hmm. But their arrangements are much more stripped down, of course, because there's four of them right, versus right. the giant symphony orchestra from San Francisco or wherever they were. I'm amazed that you find all these little... I kind of feel bad for the people that borrow and then try to hide it. Well, <laughs> and then Dan, <laughs> Dan finds them out. And then calls them on it. <laughs> There's a certain amount of just, I mean, here's the thing, guys. Everything we do is derived from our experiences. So our influences are going to pop up in our stuff. And it's up to us to own it. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. So, George, enough about the music. It was the scariest movie of all time, according to some. Were you scared? The first half was scary. I don't know if it's just, uh, just me. Mm-hmm. But like, as soon as like the old priest showed up, I was like, "Oh, he's gonna take care of business. This is gonna be okay." Okay. The first when they were trying to figure it out, you know, through the whole through the whole thing and the development of the personality change and all that, and you know, I I know where this is going. Right. Um, like I said last episode for anyone who hadn't listened to the prior episode i'll recap but first shame on you for not listening to the last episode yeah i mean what are you Um, waiting for right um but i had seen a little bit of this movie i was at a rock show in philly someone was just uh had a projector on the side of a building outside shift drive-in yep and i was hammered and i watched like the last 20 minutes of this Mm. movie so i knew how it ended Okay. But I hadn't seen the movie, and like I said, I was very drunk. So I was like, I don't know if I really, you know, really saw it. But anyway, yeah, the first hour and a half of this movie, I had never seen before. Not okay. not even a lick of it, except for Meg, maybe her head spinning around. Right. Saw that in some, well, things, it's, it's some things here and there. A lot of pop culture in this movie. Yeah, yeah, but the the development part, like it was like an hour and ten minutes into the movie before they even mentioned exorcism, right? Which is a long ass time, right? And that whole time, I don't know. I'm kind of like, do I even want this movie in my house? <laughs> right, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Um, but then, like I said, once Marin shows up, old old priest shows up, yeah. and I'm like, this is gonna get taken care of. Now, did you notice? Like, this is the, uh, guys, this is the, maybe the hundredth time I've seen this movie. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I realized that Pazuzu, which is the demon, in, in the uh, little girl, coming from a little girl's bedroom, yells, Marin. Marin! She yells it. Oh my gosh, I just heard that yeah. through the headphones. It's the first, the time, I, first the time I ever heard it. What is it. Marin? That's the name of the priest, the old man. Oh. So 
obviously through many years of discussing this movie, you find out that there's a lot of history between... It's not the first time right. this particular demon's been exercised by him. By him, right. Yes. So when he yells that, and I, he, she yells that, it sent all these tingles up my spine because I was like, holy shit. Like, I've, I've never heard that before. And then she screams it again when he is in the house. She, it's the first thing she yells yeah. from the room. So not knowing that, it was creepy. But knowing that made it, like, a million times better. Extra creepy. Yeah. So, yeah, you have that feeling that he's going to take care of business. But there's still plenty that happens that's un, you know, unexpected. Like, you know he's got a bad heart. When I was a kid, I thought she killed him in the room. Spo- well, I guess, spoilers. They leave it up to interpretation, but right. that's that's how I interpreted it as well. He yeah. just he didn't. I think he, he didn't, just gave. He out. didn't last through this one. I mean, yeah. like you said, uh, the other priest said, you know, it, it was months and it damn near killed him. Right. And this one did. But in her reaction, if if you believe that he died during it, mm-hmm. as opposed to her killing him. Her demeanor is way more creepy because I always read it as she killed him and then she's laughing about it. But when he, when Karis, Father Karis first goes in the room, she's kind of staring in a different kind of face, not a maniacal laughter face. It's almost like a like how a little kid would look at you after you you punished them and scolded them or whatever. It was, it's like the face of the Joker when Batman's dead. Yeah, but it it was almost like yeah, it's kind of like when when the jo- when the Joker says <laughs> that just hit you? you know I could, I could do this all day yeah you know, all day. The demon was kind of like oh damn yeah like Marin's he's gone. he's lost his 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 uh, now nemesis. now who's gonna exercise yeah. me? <laughs> who's gonna exercise me? <laughs> I'm gonna get all fat. Uh-huh. And- <laughs> But then the laughter kicks in. Yeah. And then you realize, okay, this thing is, is, it feels free of him. That's how I read it this, this time watching it. I guess I, it had more levels for me than normal. I thought the, um, I thought that the demon was very Lecter like when first meeting, Hmm. um, Father Karis. 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 Yeah. Very Lecter-like when, mm-hmm. you know, when... It's an excellent day for an exorcism. Yeah, you know, when, just like that. That Yeah, exactly. When, you know, when the, when the demon says, yeah, hey, take this, uh, you know, the, the restraint off, whatever. And he's like, well, if you're the... You if you're yourself. Satan, just do it yourself. Like, just... In time. No, he doesn't say it. No, he says, oh, that would be a, dis- you know, a, display, like a, a disgusting yeah. display of whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then the drawer was like, mm-hmm. do it again. And he's like, in time. in time. No, do it again right now. In time. Mm-hmm. It was like a very Lecter-like exchange. It's good stuff. That and, and, and the... Uh, I can never complain about any acting in this movie. <laughs> you will never hear me say anything about it. Like, everything. She, she's probably the best... Was she 13 in this movie? She was very good for Ugh. her age. And the fact that she did not win... The Oscar because she didn't do all the voicing. Oh, well, how stupid is that? How the hell is she like gonna this, do that? This kid was lighting up that screen. Yeah, for sure. And because they used a voiceover for the demon, they didn't give her an Oscar. Like seriously, 
So I don't know that we've actually okay. So George, did you like this movie? Um. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Now, did you complete your homework that I assigned you this afternoon? Which was go out in the parking lot and walk around by yourself in the dark. I didn't go out in the parking lot, but I did take like five minutes in the dark by myself. And how did that go? In my living room. I t- the end of this movie is relief for me. Oh. So I just felt relief. Yeah, the decompression, uh, when you were suggesting that, I was like, okay, I don't know where you would have to be to have to go there and, and feel that. Like, I, I know you as a person, so I didn't, I mean, we're we're well aware of like Padre Pio and his writings, and and yeah. Spoiler alert: we're all Catholic, <laughs> right? So it's like <laughs> you know about the all those things. So yeah, you're gonna look at the ending of this movie as a triumph. It's it's almost like a uh, you know, Karis Karis beat his own demons. It was mm. his. It was kind of a redemption for him in a way because he was so he had such a loss of faith. It was a yeah. It was like a it was a sacrifice, and so it was. A but redemption it was more kind of to thing. me. It was more than that because like when when you think about he's they keep showing him he's he wants he wants a transfer he wants out he doesn't even want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. You see him during mass. I you mean, know he gets what exactly what be. he wants, right? Right. The transfer, and he exactly. doesn't have to do it anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. But when you watch him doing the mass and you're thinking, okay, this guy is consecrating a host that he doesn't really even f- believe in right now. Yeah, like it's, it's just a lot of things that he was going through that that ending was almost like a redemption for him in a way. Absolutely. Does that mean his holy water is like less effective than another priest's holy water at that point? I don't think so. I, I think I think if you're a priest and you're consecrating a host, that's a, that's a consecrated host no matter where you're at personally. I mean, it's not I like think, he was. Yeah, I don't. I think that was a re, I don't know, rhetorical question or a joke. I just wonder. Are you serious? Like, I don't know what the metaphysics are of any of this stuff because. Oh well, that's it's not going to be explained by any. I don't any know. science, it's, right? Yes, but I mean, the, like he even says the holy water is not holy water. Well, so, he's but he's yeah. Dan's asking, you know, is if somebody who has lost his faith is his blessings and or whatever even carry through. Which is a good question. It is a, it's yeah, it's a great question. And then I wonder, you know, at the end there, he he captures or whatever, he receives the transfer of the demon, and he, you know, flings himself down the stairs or whatever. Is the demon actually defeated, or is the demon just now looking for another host? And it's just like, oh, closest body I can find. Here's a crowd of people, just gonna pick one. Well, I don't think it's closest body I can find. It depends on how what you believe in the how that works like i i've been there's so much that's not explained here there's there's a there's a priest um an exorcist that i've listened to him talk a few times on he has a lot of youtube videos people interview him all the time uh i wrote his name uh, father vince lampert and he explained how that's one thing the movie does not get right like it's not going to jump from body to body it's not going to leave one body and go to another. It's not going to find the closest host. So that's a, that's a creative license, what they did there. Sure. But he's, he did say, because one, one of the people asked him of the Hollywood 
exorcism movies who gets it close and i think he said the exorcism of emily rose is the closest Mm. this this movie has a lot of not i mean you can't say fact-based i i I guess it is fact-based truth based on things that have been done and have happened because it's based on a true story Right. So they take chainsaw, but we, you know, based on a true story, can mean a lot of things. No, they took they took a lot of journal entries from this one case in Maryland, from the forties, I think, and Blatty uh, actually had four or five Catholic priests and people that have been involved in exorcisms that were part of the, you know, consultant group on the set. So they were, and actually, the one priest in the movie was a real priest. The Which uh, one? Father Dreyer, I think. The one who's holding Karis's hand at the end, giving giving him his last rites. Yeah, Father Dyer, he's, who plays piano. Yeah, he's a real priest. Is he? Hold on. Yeah, he's a real priest. So he he was he was one of the consultants. Hmm. 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 Blatty said he wrote the book based on the story of this case of a fourteen year old boy, not a thirteen year old girl. So he took that information, he took all the journal entries, he interviewed and whatever, and it's based way more than Texas Chainsaw is based on a true story. It's based on true events. We're not going to say the whole story's true, but the things that happened in this movie were based on things that they experienced. Of course, there's some creative license here and there. Sure. But you can look that, you can read those entries if you want. It's like, you can say that probably the types of things that were coming out of her mouth were the same types of things. Yeah. And the that were coming out of Yeah, there's a lot of things that were similar yeah. from the real case. I mean the the exorcism of Emily Rose was actually when you watch that movie the cassette tape they play in the trial is the actual audio from the real exorcism. Mm. That the 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 girl died during the exorcism. That's what the whole movie's about. Oh, uh, okay. She dies during the exorcism. The two priests are on trial. Gotcha. So they they show you what happened, and then in the courtroom they play the real cassette tape of the real event. Interesting. I kind of want to watch that, but then again, I don't. It's good. It it's it's more modern than this. It's not as um, effects heavy. But maybe I should. You sh- you would probably. I don't want to say enjoy it, <laughs> but no, that, I mean, this kind of stuff, I mean, this, you know, this was supposed to be the scariest movie ever, right? It didn't scare me, but you were also like, prepared. The, the movie didn't scare me. Right. But the thought of this actually happening, because I know it does actually happen here and there, right? right? That scares the shit out of me. Well, yeah. The people that say this is the scariest <laughs> movie ever made normally are people that saw it in the 70s and sure, were sure, part of that experiment. Sure, but what I'm saying is <laughs> if I watch The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which is a case that happened when? like More recently. More recently, yeah. right? I don't know, man. It just gives me the meh. Well, it hebes yeah. your jeebies. It definitely does. Like when I saw that, uh, what is that thing called with the letters on it, the... Ouija board or Ouija mm-hmm. board? What is it called? The Ouija board. 
Ouija? 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 I don't know how you say it. People say Ouija. I don't know. I think it's I'm never going to let one of those things in my house. No, you shouldn't. And I had that rule before I watched this movie. (laughs) I was like, no, no, we don't fuck with that shit. That is, there's nothing good that can come from that shit. I don't care if it's pretend or make believe. Or if it's really evil, I don't care. I'm not taking a chance. Get that shit away. Well, that's from me. what that's one of the things that Father talked about in the video I saw. He explains the attachment and the opening of doors, opening of gateways, almost like vampire type thing. You know, they can't come in your house until you let them in. Right, you can't invite them in. So he he explained one case where the demon told him that he was invited. He was invited. Yes. And he does not have to go anywhere because he was invited. Right, which is why when I'm watching this this movie on my television, I'm like, oh my God, I, what did I just invite in my home? <laughs> you didn't. You didn't because you're not doing, uh, you know, they talk about seance and, and all that stuff. That's that's opening doors. Like someone will say, well, what's wrong with a, what's wrong with a medium or what's wrong with a clairvoyant or a, a psychic or whatever. If yeah. they're if they're real, most of them are fake. I would say right. 90, 90%, 95%, maybe 98%. Yeah, well, most of them are con, con are artists. artists. Right. And if the other are, 2% are I don't want anywhere near right. me. <laughs> I I always had it explained to me, you know, if if it's a real event, if this person does have this ability. Right. They're holding a curtain back. They're they're pulling a curtain back. And you have to ask yourself, who's letting, what's, what's coming through and who's letting it through? That, to me, that's, that's sure. always been my thing. Because my mom used to go, and I'm like, yeah, but you don't want to, you just don't want to mess with that stuff. Because you don't know. I mean, most of the time, they're just telling you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. So, and most people, it's just fun, whatever. But there are cases where these things attach. If it's, if it's a true event and they attach, then that's when you get an event like this, where it, the, the word he used was manifestation. When you say he, you're, you're the, talking the about priest, the, that the priest, the, the YouTube ex- priest? exorcist. Okay. Yeah. When he says, man, when, it, when, it, when it manifests, like you can have, uh, he explains like four different, four different versions of, that aren't possession. You know, you have the attachment, you have the, you know, almost like a, it's like, Diabetes and pre-diabetes, <laughs> you know, like you can have full-on possession, possession type A, possession type comes B, last. pre-possession. Yeah, he said it doesn't always end in that. Well, and obviously, because right. and even if it does end in pre-possession, you could still end up pregnant. So you have to be careful. <laughs> That's true. Wear a condom. Yes. That's true. Um, but he explains how they exhaust all medical aspects first. Mm-hmm. They bring in psychologists, psychiatrists, medical doctors. They eliminate every possible cause of what is going on. Unlike this movie where it's like, it's just so, you know, the medical field is, is almost being snide. Like, well, you could, you could always call an exorcist. Like, they, it, they weren't, that wasn't a suggestion that was coming from, from a good place. They were basically just telling her she's SOL if, unless you keep well, puncturing I mean, your daughter. Well, if you hmm, if you're if you're a doctor, right? And you don't believe in any of this nonsense. Right. Right? But you have seen an exorcism work. Then it must be the way they explained it. 
But what right? if you're not a doctor and you don't believe in any of this nonsense and you've never seen an exorcism work? Is that why I like Exorcist 3 better than the first one? I don't know. I think I think you like Exorcist 3 because you enjoy performance. Because you're this a sadist now. Really I good, I've never seen really amazing story and performances in that movie. And maybe the best jump scare in the history of cinema. We should have watched that movie. I'm just kidding. Also, we should also, <laughs> we should follow this movie with that movie because it's fucking awesome. I'm game. Skip Exorcist 2 because it blows. Just skip Exorcist 2. No, we don't see, no one, no one volunteers. It's like, it's like going to Applebee's. You don't want to go to Applebee's. You just end up there. Sorry, are they a sponsor? Uh, they're not, not a sponsor. Anymore. No, they're not a sponsor. Not yet. <laughs> it's okay. I like steak that I can bite through with my teeth. No. <laughs> Actually, they say Denny's. Denny's. You don't make a decision to go to Denny's. You just end up there. Or Waffle House. Or Waffle House. So it's like, you know, it's the only place open at three in the morning. It's a landing pad. So that's where you go. Yeah, so that's that's the heretic. That's That's... Just to put it into perspective, George, I've seen some really bad movies. Uh, Only a couple of them I've made you watch on this podcast, and I still Mm. can't get through Exorcist 2. It's not a fun kind of bad. It's just, what the hell? It's just terrible. What the hell? The only thing good about it is you see a grown-up Linda Blair. Yeah, but you can... She's in a lot of movies in the Mm. 80s, so... And she's in Scream. You've already seen her. Yes, you've seen her in Scream. Can we talk about how amazing she was in this movie? Like, I forgot how Wait, good she was. Wait, hold on. She was in Scream? Yeah. Yeah, remember when she popped up it. and we were like, she was one of the cameos that you wouldn't have known. Oh, she was the, I wouldn't have known her. She was one of the reporters outside the school. She like shrieked a line at one of the other reporters. It was very quick. But I went, yay, mm. Linda Blair. <laughs> Obviously, after her um, metamorphosis, how she acts, mm-hmm. but all the subtleties in her gradual change, to me, were ridiculously awesome just like all those little uh you know when she's being hypnotized and when she's in the hospital room and like the doctor's like do you feel this and she's like i don't feel anything like just the way she delivers Mm. these lines you don't expect that from a 12 year old oh she's amazing yeah i thought that she played that that despondent that character Mm -hmm. like when she was in in the doctor's office and you know and even when she was even more far gone into it like she played those characters really well the beginning when everything was like white picket fence mm-hmm. all hunky dory and happy i was kind of like this is kind of cheesy a little mm-hmm. bit but Bern- is what's what's the uh mother's name um Bern- is it ellen bernstein i don't know who's the actress that plays the mother she's she's also suffers from that like everybody's so Hunky dory that they're almost like overplaying everything, but then when they gotta get into it and actually act, then it's really it's, good. Yeah, it's ridiculous. How was the happy so bad, but the sad and angry was so good? I don't know. It it had to have been done on purpose. I guess so. I don't know. I I don't really have a problem with it because happy lasted about ten minutes. So, <laughs> I mean, but even when she comes downstairs, like right before she pees on the rug, and she's like. I'm gonna die up there like yeah like just all those things that i kind of missed because i mean basically when you pop this movie in you're you're cl- you're gonna jump scenes if you've seen it once you've seen it you're like okay i want to see this scene i want to see this scene again and you start jumping scenes and you kind of miss all those little things the the nuanced stuff you know the spider walk down the steps was was edited out of the movie so you didn't see that until they till this version Oh, came out on I think that was a good move. What, to take that out? Yeah. It didn't fit. 
Yeah. It was out of place yeah. when they took it out. But they popped it in because it is kind of cool. And the part where she like erupts blood from her mouth is pretty fucking creepy. Yeah. That, that part works. The actual spider crawl, it, to some it will work, to some it will not. Yeah. But you. Reminded me of the, uh, the RC car from uh, the thing. Oh, from the thing, yeah. <laughs> the head crab. Yeah. No, it was an actual real contortionist that did that. <laughs> it was not <laughs> not on an RC car. No, but I mean it wasn't f- it wasn't like supported by wires and stuff. Like I, it, it was it was a real spider walk down the steps. So they had that going. You for have them, to know that contortionist nice. was really disappointed <laughs> on opening night, which is nice. Which is nice. She was like, "Oh, guys, I'm in a movie. I'm in like a featured scene. <laughs> and I hear it's doing great and it's number one at the box office. Come watch me." Oh, they cut. Oh. They okay. Well, I hope you still enjoy <laughs> the movie. Apparently, the same shit happened to the uh, the woman that did the voice of the the demon. Did the voiceover? She kind of was like, "Okay, they didn't credit me, but there's a lot of acclaim going on, and there's nominations, and Linda Blair's getting a nomination, so I don't want to overshadow that. So I'm not going to say anything." And then once the movie made millions and millions and millions of dollars, she sued <laughs> because she wasn't credited, and she she didn't get whatever she was supposed to get through her SAG for doing being the voice of. The demon. Pazuzu. Yeah. Read Pazuzu. read Pazuzu. your contracts, guys. Yeah. <laughs> read your contracts. But I mean, she, I don't know. Same thing, the, the throw up body double was the face of Pazuzu, that, that white face with the circle, you know, the mm-hmm. sunken in eyes. Mm-hmm. So she was in the movie a lot as Pazuzu, but then she was mad because they didn't give her credit as the body double, the vomit body double. Like, mm. what is wrong with these people? Well, and that's the yeah, other yeah, scene. Extra. Read your contracts, but also, like, <laughs> be prepared to abide by the contract, right? Like, if you signed right. it, don't bitch later, because you signed the contract. Read it first. What right. did her contract say? I don't know. All I know is she didn't get the credit in the credits. Did her contract say you're not going to get any credit? Mm. Uh, we have to go. She would have won in court if it didn't, so I'm going to assume that it did. Say that she was just going to be credited as whatever she was credited as. Yeah. If at all, you know, because if it's in the contract, it'll stand up in court and you'll get your way. Allegedly. Hmm. Who knows, guys? So I'm under the assumption this is not a good pick for us, Dan. You didn't like it? What do you mean? What are you talking about? This movie kicks... I'm getting like a skeptic. Well, I mean, I am, it, I'm skeptical as all get out. Like, I was raised in the church, and I do tend to, like, right. lean Jesuit pretty hard, uh, right. just in, like, philosophical ways. Uh, I still think all this is, you know, hocus-pocus nonsense, but uh, the first hour of the movie is fantastic. Like, it, it does heebie my jeebies a little bit. Like, it's good right. and creepy, and the subliminal, but not quite subliminal, like, it's clearly there. You saw it. You just didn't see it very long. Uh, demon There's face so stuff. many subliminals in this mm. movie. It's good. Like the flashes and faces and mm-hmm. I mean, stuff I didn't even notice before, but because it was Blu-ray, I was like, oh, there, oh, wow. I kind of wish it went a little quicker because mm. I think you'd still catch on that you saw something, but you wouldn't be able to, because I, I could actually focus on the demon face on two of those. And I'm like, I don't want to see yeah. the face. I just want to know it's there. Like, Well, did you see uh, Karis's mother in the window right before he jumps through it? No, I didn't even notice. No, her face. I, I'm like, I saw a face in the window, so I paused it, and it was, it was, Demi. 
Demi, it was that face. It was the old lady's face. So yeah. is that a trick from the demon to get him to jump through the window? I don't know. Oh, that changes things. I don't know. It takes a little but bit that... of the agency away from him saving everybody, and instead he's just <laughs> been forced by the demon I don't, to hug that I'm lady. Not sure, I'm not sure that he saved anyone. Like, Well, she did, was clean. Right, she was this clean. This girl is clean. Yeah, the girl is clean. He, did he jump out the window? <laughs> or was he pushed? Or did the demon jump out the window? That's a good question. It looked like he was fighting it, and his eyes changed right before he jumped. So it was almost like he... He did it then, on purpose. But then you got to ask yourself, okay, here's a priest who finally refound his faith and then committed suicide. <laughs> the, the, is he punished for that? Like, that... I don't know. He I, got his last rights, Beetle... though. So that might right. that might fix it. But but if you follow Beetlejuice 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 <laughs> rules, he now has to work in social work in the afterlife <laughs> because he killed himself. But he didn't kill himself. He injured himself gravely potentially, and then he gave his last rites. So wouldn't that absolve okay. you of the suicide? I'm assuming, yeah. I don't really yeah, know the, the rules of all these things because, like I said, uh, but well, I mean. In in the Catholic faith and and the the real priest that's in the movie he is a Jesuit priest. I was well. reading that a minute ago when you guys said that he was a real priest. That's interesting. Um, yeah, so he was involved in a lot of the making of the movie. So they they did con- consult with him a lot. As far as I know, you get your, you know, you you you're able to give a confession at the end of your life. You're you're pretty, pretty good. From what I know, seems like kind of a told. low bar, honestly, but. Well, I mean, that's the whole purpose of last rites. I mean, if you're... Obviously, you have to be sorry for your sins. You <laughs> yeah, you have you to can't be have, like, yeah. oh, wow, I'm dying. Hey, where's Father? Come here. You know, you can't do that. You have to honestly be repentant of your sins. So, George, you said that the first hour or so was scary, and then the rest, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you said was kind of triumphant by the end. It was relief. Relief. Now, what I did last night because I ran out of time, was I watched the first hour, and then I turned it off. And I hadn't seen this in 20 years. And uh, mm-hmm. the first hour is rocking, man. I love the first hour. It is it is what I need as a mid-30s like horror guy who's seen too many jump scares. Mm-hmm. And it worked. I was like, oh, yeah, that he beat my jeebies a little bit. It was good. Yeah. And then I watched the second half today, and I was just like, eh. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. You know, it's got, that's the part I always remember though. Like I'd forgotten most of the first hour of this movie, but I couldn't, I mean, you can't forget the stuff that's immortalized itself in pop culture, right? The spinning heads and the vomiting and the crucifix stuff and the the sailor mouth and you know, whoa. Yeah. Like I was saying before, none of that stuff was scary to me. Like none of it. Disturbing. Yeah. None of it. Just the, the idea of like a demon taking possession of a person is scary shit. Right. And like and like I said, for me, when the priest showed up, it was like everything's gonna be alright. But it really wasn't. But that's how it felt, that's how it felt to me. Yeah. I was like, okay, now there's an opposite force because there was nothing there was nothing right. keeping this thing in check up until that point. And it's like, okay, now at least we have some other figure that's going to push back against this demon and effectively. Right. Right? So I think Assuming it's... because it's called the exorcist, right? So, 
So I think that this movie kind of falls in the same line as like Full Metal Jacket. There's two movies here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't hate the second 45 minutes because I enjoy the exchange. I enjoy that mental chess match going back and forth and the, you know, don't talk, don't, don't listen to it, don't, you know, and then it starts talking about his mother and, and playing with his, you know, his regrets and his, you know, his own demons. She's, she's attacking his own thoughts. Yeah. So I don't have any problem with any of it. So when I hear people like I'm, it's almost foreign to me to think like, yeah, the, the last thirty minutes, yeah, it's not scary, but it's definitely disturbing. Yeah, because and then it's also fun to watch because of the dialogue, and the effects still hold up. No, I mean, yeah, the effects were great. I mean, like when, it's probably Dick Smith's best work. Yeah, like when she, she was levitating. Yeah, and they were just like. I forget the phrase that they were saying, but it was just like repeating, repeating, repeating what they were saying until she like came down onto the bed. Yeah. It was like a battle, right? It was a battle. Yeah. You know, the, like the first, the first hour and 10 minutes or hour and 20 is like the it's, setup. It's this thing that's rampant and it's out of control and it's going to kill this girl. And like, like no one's humble enough to just say, this is not medicine. This, right. She doesn't need medicine. Like, you know what I mean? Well, the it mother that, finally says that. It was kind of like that, that denial. That first hour and a half was, of the movie was just denial that this is what it is. And then, you know, once, you know, once the exorcism actually starts to happen, or even just the interview, like the first interview mm. that he does with her, like at that point, you're like, okay, this is the beginning of the battle. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and like, and 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 the battle is a completely different feeling to the beginning of the movie because the beginning of the movie is scary and stressful and like creepy. Yeah, and I think that the second part, which is like the last half hour or forty minutes or whatever, that's just a whole different feeling. It's a battle from that point. So icing on the cake. I think it's just different. Yeah, they're definitely two different. Yeah, feels. I think it's really funny that. For the, let's call it 20 years since I watched this movie last. I remember thinking the movie wasn't scary, but was probably scary to people in the 70s, but that it was just kind of gross and just kind of, eh. But that's because all I could focus on was that last half hour. So it like surprised me how much I really liked the first half of the movie and like wished it would have just continued that way. And it never would have been the hit it was, but. I could almost imagine this movie working with stay with the mom's perspective, hear some of the exorcism like through the door, and then cut to Kinnaman out on the street as Karis comes flying out the window. You know, don't actually show me the battle. Like, leave that to my imagination. But just shorten the movie a little bit and have the same ending with maybe like a Karis with like a demon face and then he gets his last rites and he's got a regular face and you're like, wow. Like, a little bit of triumph at the end for Father Dyer. Like, you could make that work, cut 20 minutes off the movie. It wouldn't be as spectacular. It wouldn't sell as many tickets. But I think it would be scarier. You know what would be cool is that, but with some kind of, like, audio outside the room. Oh, yeah, like, through the door. Like, you hear it going on in there, but you just don't know what you're looking at. Well, through the door is fine, 
but you can't be muffled. I think you know how he re- he took a tape recorder in, mm-hmm. you know, to you know to record the interview basically. I think that that kind of thing, like we need to record this because, you know, that's just what we do now. Whenever we do an exorcism, it's recorded. Period. You know what I mean? And that's like playing in the other room or something, or like you could hear it, you know, so that you can hear that you're in what's going on in the room, but you can't see it. I'd be fine with, with, yeah, with that. I mean, you're basically a spectator to this family anyway. Yeah. So, but you definitely would need to hear that dialogue going on in that room. Definitely. Whether you see it or not, even little snippets, but you would have to hear it because there's so much character building going on in there. And then his, his leap wouldn't have the same gravity if you didn't see his struggle, seeing his mother being talked to in his mother's voice. Like, the visual of that, you could watch any reaction on, on YouTube of that scene and people, they have some video of back then Mm-hmm. when he walks in that room and it's all white and it's his mother sitting there looking back at him. Like, the, the reaction to that. You don't get that if you're, you're sitting in the living room with the mother. I would just want to see a camera on the mother while you're hearing these, you know, screaming matches between the two yeah. sides and just focus on her just, like, stress. I think it'd be more in line with what they did for the first hour of the movie. Yeah, and it kind of eliminates the spectacular, like, the skeptics are going to be like, well, you know, obviously the body's not going to change like that. You're not going to have that visual change. It might be, you know, people have a hang-up and they'll say, oh, it's all psychological or it's a schizophrenic or whatever, even though it's been confirmed by many people that's two different things. Sure. Well, the concern if is you're not... if you're seeing such manifest physical changes, that makes me as a more skeptical person think that that is the interpretation or the perception right, of right. the exorcist, which at that point, they're just doubling down on what they're already working with, you know? So it doesn't necessarily follow that she would or would not be a, possessed by a demon. It would just mean that they were so content, con, you know, content in their own beliefs that she is possessed by a demon that when they start seeing her as a demonic figure it just confirms that they believe it. And it's like, well, we know you believe it. You're the exorcist. Like, what about her? Um, That father Lamper actually talks about that. And he says, they always have more than just the, the exorcist and another priest in the room. Like they always have a family member of the victim. The victim is obviously in the room. The exorcist, like there's more than two, one, you know, I'll corroborate your story. Yeah, this is what happened. Like there's other people in that room to confirm. Yes, she was levitating. That's what I saw. So they can be like, Karen, like, Karen, you right. see in this shit? She's levitating. Yeah, yeah, yeah I see it. She's <laughs> levitating. Okay, cool. Yeah. Get the holy water. Like he actually said there are, there are actual priests that don't believe in this. Like the, when, when he got assigned originally, when he got assigned, they're like, Okay, like they're not even buying it. So there, there's even skepticism in the actual. Sure. Not obviously the lay people. There's definite, definite skepticism, but actually in the, the offices of the you know the yeah, diocese yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. there's people that are like, yeah, no. Now was so was Father Dyer involved? Uh, remind me because I don't watch this movie as often as I should. I guess is Father Dyer involved at all in the process of bringing? In the Exorcist, or is he just kind of tangential to the story because he knows the family? 
I think he's a friend of the mother. I think so it's the latter. Because yeah. he would be a really good vehicle for doubt. Right? You could put on that character a little bit of skepticism toward the exorcism as a person inside the priesthood. That would be a, yes, an ideal right. perspective for that. And actually, I think that uh, already this movie does a really good job of making the priest like, I don't know, human. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was because of the time frame, but like, you know. No, Father Karras is like an everyday guy. You can tell. He needs to be a boxer. He's drinking beers. He's hanging out. He's on a college campus. He's yeah, very in tune with with obviously the lay people. Yeah. And he's also struggling with his own shit. So but, he, he's, yeah, he's a good character. But the way I that. think people think of priests are like, you know, uh, the scene when he goes to see the bishop and the bishop yeah. is talking to his, whoever that was, like his right-hand man, you know, basically looked like uh, Palpatine, whatever yeah. he was. All right, so, um, like, that's what people think of when they think of priests. But, like, priests are human. It definitely humanized like, them. You know. Because he even said, I can't, I, this, this, being a psychiatrist to these people, it's not working for me. It's it's not the work I want to do, and it's not working. Right. So, yeah, I mean, he was very human in this movie. Yeah, and ultimately, he was not strong enough. No. Like, his faith wasn't, you know, deep enough, I guess, to defeat this demon or to exercise this demon. It just wasn't. No, you just beat the shit out of a twelve year old. No, all he could, <laughs> all he could do, all he could do was beg it to take him instead. Right. You know what I mean? Like that he couldn't, you know. Well, that's that. That's actually discussed. The 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 demon realizes that Marin is solid, rock solid. There's that's why even when they're both in the room, he's in the very beginning. He says something to Marin, you know, stick her, whatever he says to him, yeah. and then that's it. Then he goes after Karis the whole time, right? So even when Marin's saying the prayers and. The tongue's coming out, and she's looking right at Karis the whole time. Right. So he's already been targeted as the weak one. And that's when Marin's like, don't don't listen to it. And when he screams, you're not my mother! Like, he's, you can tell he's, I mean, he's, that's his first movie he's ever made. Like, you can just tell he went in places. He, he, he's, he went, did the work. Yeah. You can tell. And apparently he was actually in the seminary for a little bit. Uh, the actor so he probably used some of that and he apparently in real life lost a little bit of his faith as well so that's why he left sure so he probably used a lot of that someone that has uh, some legit respect for the office and that also uh, in real life knows that they're not cut out for it right yeah. which was his it's character a perfect, the whole it's time it's a perfect selection mm -hmm. for that role so one thing I wanted to focus on when we talk about like the spectacular effects of the last third of this movie, the thing that makes it a pop culture icon and the thing that we all knew before we saw it, thanks to every movie ever made ever since, the decision to go with such over-the-top physical practical effects in a movie that doesn't really earn it for the first hour, like it doesn't really build up your expectation for such a thing. It's successful in that it makes it memorable. Uh, I would say it's somewhat unsuccessful because I do like, like I said, I forgot about the first hour of this movie being so good because I just thought about how over the top the effects are. One effect I want to point to in particular is when her head spins around. 
Now, George, you've probably seen a child with their head spinning around referenced in all kinds of pop culture. Yeah, definitely. And it, a lot of it comes from this movie. But the thing that I lost because my focus was on the effect and not on the context of the effect. Do you remember why she turned her head around, George? No. Well, remind me. She's mocking the fact that she killed the director guy by twisting his head around and throwing him out the window. Right. Like the thing that clues Kinderman into the fact that there's something, you know, amiss going on in that house. She's not doing it to show off and be scary. She's taunting that she murdered a guy. Like, that's actually pretty cool, but you lose it because the effect is so over the top. Yeah, because she does that to her mother as well. When she says, you know what she did? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, cunning daughter. Like, she, that's when she spins her head around. And from what I read, that didn't really happen. What? Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a, <laughs> what, you know what I mean? Like, pe- people are like, well, that would never happen. How could a person really twist their head? They wouldn't be able to talk. Like, it, it was just a, it was a, 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 not a hallucination, but it was a visualization allowed by the demon. They didn't, obviously, he didn't spin her head around. Right? I mean. So, but that's, people kind of read that as, oh, it's spinning. Because that second time she does it, it goes all the way around. Right. Yeah. That's the it thing Tom Savini was pointing out in his workshop is the, the Reagan that's head spins yes. all yeah. the way around when he plugs her in. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, that was all just <laughs> for, for uh, the, the creative license to have it finish when he says, amen. Like, obviously that's not really going to happen because then that little girl's not going to be alive. So it's just them being shown that, but it's not really happening. But then you have to say, well, how many other things was she doing that wasn't really happening? If you're me, a lot of things. I don't even know how to answer that question. Like, how much of it was hallucination? He's going to say all of it. But (laughs) you have to ask yourself, it's not hallucination because they're sitting doing a bong. Like, that thing is doing it. So it still doesn't... Is that really even hallucination? Hallucination is not, not really the right. right word. So it's not like Dan's saying, well, I would say all of it, but I'm saying something was doing it. Yeah, they're not on mushrooms. Right. Something Something's, was yeah. making them see that, whether it really happened or not. That event was happening, and it was being caused by something supernatural. So whether what they account happened, they say, oh, well, she spun her head around. Was that in the account of what happened? I, we don't know. No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, obviously, the the real story that didn't happen. The only thing I know in the in the story it's based on was the bed shaking, uh, the language, mm-hmm. the the languages, mm-hmm. you know, speaking multiple languages, the vulgar language, the physical strength, mm-hmm. uh, a a lot of the things that were not, you know, obviously, I think there was actual. I don't know what they call it, but when, when letters appear on the skin, whether they're etched in or they are embossed, that apparently happened. It was etching, I think. It wasn't like where it said, help me. Yeah. It was more like scar, like open wounds that spelled out words, not, okay. not bubbled, like from the inside. So, but that was in the account as well. So there are things that were in the writings of the participants that were used to write the story. But obviously there wasn't, there, there was, I think there was a levitation, but obviously not floating 10 feet above the bed. Yeah. But 
I would I would be interested to go and find those writings. See exactly no, what I would said. too. See how much of this is extra. So take me back to the beginning. We're in Iraq and we're following Max von Sido as he's at like an excavation point and he finds what I presume to be like an icon of Pazuzu. Like what's going on with the statue? I need some like good old Catholic background on why that little idol he picks up has any significance to the story. I have no idea. The only thing I know is that the significance of that dig is that the the historic event that happened in that city, the the sacking of that city, mm-hmm. they the winners of that event decapitated every statue in in the city and every person. So they showed a few times they show different heads, concrete heads or granite heads i don't know i yeah. guess they would be greek laying around yeah so every statue in the, in the city was decapitated including the that little pazuzu but like the giant the, demon thing that he sees later in his vision isn't decapitated not. right so is him ripping the head off of that little pazuzu like him decapitating a pazuzu statue did he like let it out i really want to know like no. it seems like a real you're building up some background but not filling in any of the blanks well, I heard the prequels kind of touch on Marin's history with Pazuzu. If I remember right, and, one of the prequels talks about Justinian in like 5 AD, and they meant to say 5th century or 3rd century AD, but they read it wrong and they left it in the movie and I turned off the movie. Oh, I had yeah. limits, <laughs> and that was that was beyond my limits. I know when he finds that statue, he already knows of this demon because he has exercised other people. So he is aware of it. Well, and then he picks up what looks to be the same kind of like priest medallion out of the rubble at the beginning. And they're like, oh, this it's is a from Saint a different medallion, time. But I don't know who. And it's similar to the one that uh, of Karis's that the mom tries yeah. to give to Dyer, but he gives back, you know? Could you tell who the saint was on that medal? No. Yeah, it definitely wasn't the same period of as the statues. I don't know why he found it in I there. I figure it's evidence of the same thing that happens at the end, right? Like a priest falling during an exorcism and maybe. But they don't tell you anything, so you just kind of have to I mean, you get to write your own story, which is kind of fun. The movie mm. does that a lot actually. Yeah, I, sometimes that's good. There's a lot of opportunity. Like, where is Reagan's dad? He's in Italy. What's he doing in Italy? Yeah. They were apparently estranged. That's all I got from it. So like they obviously were. I'm going to presume uh, getting along. I'm going. I'm not even going to yeah. presume. I am going to deduce from the evidence available that if she's an actress, he's probably an actor, and I bet yeah. he's in Italy just trying to revitalize his career, shooting some motherfucking giallo. Am I right? Pro- probably. Time frames maybe. right. Yep. George Hilton is her dad. Okay. Fabio Testi is her dad. There you go. No matter what, it always connects to job. I'll pull as always. hard as I have to always. to <laughs> make it happen. That's what she said. I'll, I'll dig as deep as I need to. Reminds me of a quote from the Sean Bean character in Bravo 2-0 for the five people that are listening who've seen that movie. I pulled as hard as I could. <laughs> That's a great movie. You guys should watch it sometime. It's about the SAS mm-hmm. and Desert Storm. It's pretty cool. But it's also two movies, and I prefer the first half. Second half, the. Yeah. That's why I'm with Full Metal Jacket. I like the first half, but I don't like the Vietnam stuff. Same. I think that's most Word. people. 
Yeah. I mean, it's beautifully shot, but it just kind of is. If there's anything to be more of a downer, it's that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the whole movie's You a thought downer, the first part was you. sad. Just wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Holy moly. Are you guys, I know you, you are afraid of Ouija boards. Uh, have you guys ever used one? Not afraid, just aware. Sure. Have you ever used one? Absolutely never. not. I will never. Okay. Never. Uh, did you catch what happened with the Ouija board in particular? Yes. Yes. That it jumped when she, when she went to touch it? The mom? Well, it didn't just jump. Because uh, the mom asks a question about who is Captain yeah. Howdy or something like that. And the thing jumps from her hand. Did you see what it jumped to? It, no. No. Do I even want to know? It jumped to the no. Like it rejects the mom. Right. Jumps from her hand mm. to no. Well, I, th- I think one of the rules of the Ouija board is that you're supposed to close it out. Close out your session. Maybe she didn't close out a session, uh, Reagan, and that's why this thing just—it was like an open, open portal the whole time. I don't know. I don't. Here's know. the thing, man. Even if <laughs> this thing's just creepy. Okay, to fuck so out. Yeah. I, you guys are hilarious. Uh, You're supposed to make it say goodbye. You're supposed to end the session. You know, know a that. lot about this for okay. someone who's never used one, Travis. Well, I'm, I'm a convert, so I'm aware. Of, <laughs> I'm aware of more things, and I'm not a cradle Catholic. Let's put it that way. So the thing about the Ouija board, uh, you are sup- even as a person who doesn't think that they're a thing, right? They're just a toy made for children mm-hmm. to, to scare devout people uh, into not not hanging out at the <laughs> fun parties, right? Uh, y'all go home. We're gonna get the Ouija board out. Okay, they're gone. Now switch the music. Like uh, the thing about the Ouija board is, you should be off put by the fact that she can play with it by herself. Like that's the setup. Yes. It's just like, oh God, yes. she thinks that she can play that thing by herself and not like know the answer. That's a problem. There's a problem in that house already. Like, see, here's the funny thing. When you said that, it made me smirk because to me personally, it's the chicken before the egg. Like, Ouija boards were around way before Parker Brothers put them out. So, there's a stigma to the Ouija board that is well deserved. <laughs> it's there's there's a lot of basis and history to that board just like tarot like you could buy tarot cards from you know the Wawa but the history of the tarot card is, is way legit. older than whoever's yeah, making so it's tarot like, cards. Just because it has a logo on the box doesn't mean it's yeah, it may it means it's it's a fake representation of something that's real. So the fear is, yeah, you can buy that at Kitty City, Toys R Us, you know, KB, whatever. It's got a Parker Brothers logo on it. You bring it in your house and you play it at slumber parties. And you could be fine. But you just... You could end up like Reagan as well. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, it's just like when people are like, oh, you can't read Harry Potter because it has witchcraft and sorcery. It's like, all right, slow down. Calm down. It's a book. I'm going to read the book. I'm just going to play with this piece of wood and a thing with the looking glass on it. I'm secure, and I know the dangers of witchcraft. I know the dangers of black magic. I know the dangers of all these things. I know the dangers of pulling the curtain back. Am I scared of it? No. I'm just aware of it. So you would just you would do the Ouija board, but you'd like keep your holy water I would like never right touch next a to the board. side. No. Okay. No. Like just in case it got a little too intense, you could just like douse it with some holy mm-hmm. water. 
I no, I I've I've uh, be like take okay. that. I was in the presence one time of someone playing one of those things, and I, and I wasn't even Christian yet, and it freaked me out. So I was like, yeah, no. You felt you felt a real cold breeze on a summer's night. That no, kind of thing. no, no, no. It was subtle, but it was, it wasn't. It, I don't want to say it was an event, but it was just feeling in your gut. You're like no, yeah. Uh-uh. It was just one of those things. Like we we I mentioned it last week, but I watched this movie as a non-Christian, and then I watched this movie as a Catholic, and it's two different movies for me. Is it scarier yeah. or is it just better? Yeah. It's not, it's never, when I saw it before I was even Christian, it was scary because I, I always had the fear because of the, and it was weird because I didn't, I didn't know if I believed it. I guess I did, but subconsciously I believed in the possibility of supernatural and movies like Amityville Horror and whatever, where they kind of use the POV as the demon or the ghost. I think, I think it started that I had a fear of ghosts when I was a kid. And I didn't associate ghosts with supernatural, like, you know, a belief in God and all that stuff. It was just ghosts. Ghost stories, they're like werewolves, they're like whatever. whatever. Then as I started realizing the ghost stories were possibly affecting people that I respected, like, it wasn't like crazy, wacky stories. It was like, oh, this person is somebody I look up to and this shit happened to them and that's what happened to me or something like that. You start associating it and then it becomes real to you this movie just kind of confirmed demons on that level so where i wasn't even really christian but it brought demons to the forefront where it's a possibility that makes sense i get you so then once i was old enough to it's almost like a if you think ghosts scared you right Try demons. Right. <laughs> so then I went from being basically an atheist to being agnostic. Like, I believed in God, I believed in this, but I didn't believe in, like, organized religion or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So then that kind of solidified it a little bit for me. I was like, okay, that shit, I don't want to mess with that shit. I've seen and heard too much. Then, obviously, when I was 21 I became Catholic, this movie went to a different level. If that makes sense. Because now I'm looking it at it It makes total as, sense. This shit is real to me can happen if you leave yourself open to it. If that makes sense. No, yeah, I, I get you. That's why, I mean, I was, yeah. And even, and I kind of have this, even now I still have the same viewpoint as father Karras where it's like, well, you want an exorcism, you're gonna have to go back to 1600s, blah, blah, blah. This is what they use to, you know, deal with yeah. This is like this, this is that. like leeches. This is like exactly. a, a nail in the ear. Right. Like this is not what we do anymore. But then after hearing people like Father Lampert, when they explain, okay, this is this is last resort type stuff. This is everything else is exhausted before we even even discuss going spiritual. That I can respect. You got to do yeah. at least three angiograms directly into the carotid artery. Ugh, my son passed out. <laughs> he. What was funny is we started watching it late, and he's he kind of no, dozed off at the beginning because it was like too much character development, I guess. So I watched him doze off. So I was like, "All right, I won't bother him." And then that scene, she's in the hospital, and she gets the the the, uh, 
beginnings of the uh, the dye IV. Yeah. And uh, he w- <laughs> I didn't know he woke up, and he saw that, and he saw the blood squirt with every heartbeat across her chest. <laughs> and he, he gets up. I thought he just had to go pee, and then he comes in the room. He's like, pause it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you want me to pause it because you want to watch more? He's like, no, pause it because I don't want to hear it. And he went in the bathroom. I think he almost threw up like three times. Like he was just not having it. He can't handle blood. I mean, I I felt this. I felt the same way. I mean, I pass out regularly. Yeah, getting poked by needles. So he wasn't having that. Yeah, it was hard for me to watch too. It was really yeah, so a well put together shot. Yeah. It did send me on so a t- wormhole investigation as to like why they were doing a uh, an angiogram through the carotid because that seems so dangerous. Yeah. And pretty much yeah. like they don't do those anymore because they're too dangerous. But yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> dangerous because of blood loss? Because that was nasty. Well, you can have like a hematoma, <laughs> like a, a bruise essentially if they damage right. the thing. And then it like obstructs your airway because it's right there. Okay. So yeah, they do them through like different veins or different arteries now so that they don't kill mm. you by accident. Well, thank goodness for that. Still probably pretty <laughs> squirty though. So I told my son, I said, if you, can, if you can't handle that, if you can't handle that, you're not watching the rest of this movie. So I told I don't know. That's like said, the oh. most like physically gross part of the movie, though. Until the yeah, head splatters on the ground at the end. But he's a bit of a believer, so I I don't know how the events of that movie would psychologically affect. So him. you didn't let him watch the rest of it. No, he did not watch the rest. Now okay. you've created like a thing that he wants because you're not allowing him to see it. Now it's living in him. Like I gotta see this nah. movie. Dad says I can't watch well, it. Well, he wanted to watch Insidious. It. He's like, can we watch Insidious? My friends in school talk about it. I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's up there with with rated one of the scariest movies. I don't know if you want to see it. But we'll see. I'll test him with a few things before we go back to this. <laughs> I, don't I feel mean, like... what's the worst that could happen? Screw him up for the rest of his life? I mean, I mean it depends. Here's the thing. I, mean, I don't know where his anxiety is coming from. He might end up like having a podcast or something. How yeah, old is he? About it. 15. See, he's not gonna like the first hour anyway, because it's too slow. It's it's old man's. It's thirty year old guy movie. It's not yeah. fifteen year old guy movie. He will forget that part. He will remember the pea soup, and it might scare mm-hmm. him, and it might not. I don't know. For me, the scariest part when I was younger was her looking at Karis and her tongue coming out, and it was like the entire length of her chest. That freaked me out. Not a big Gene like, Simmons fan. Where she's- Travis. Well, she's like, well, she was doing the Gene Simmons, which doesn't scare me when Gene does it. Oh, it scares me. He's just like it's hard to be scared when you're so turned on, right, man? Yeah, That's it's right. hot. <laughs> it's definitely hot. He's like, every time I stick my tongue out, it's a thousand dollars. I don't know. He married Shannon Tweed, so yeah, it's working. Yes, yes. So yeah, I mean that visual always freaked me out. And now at 45, I look at it, I'm, I'm just shocked that they made a 13-year-old girl play that part and allowed her to do all that stuff. Like, that would not happen today. It might happen today, all. but it would go a lot differently. I think they would probably hire an 18-year-old that looks younger. Or they would just make the character 18 like they did in Emily Rose. They probably do yeah, a lot more they... with doubles, too. Because they put th- yeah. her through a lot of the stuff that nowadays would be stunt people. Oh, absolutely. I think she like broke her back or something doing that. And I think the mom got hurt, too. So, yeah, it's a different time. Apparently, the director slapped 
the real priest in the face right before he goes to Father Karras because he couldn't get the emotion he wanted out of him. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So right before they said action, he smacked him in the face. Well, I mean. I like, oh, that's interesting. Did it get the reaction he was looking for, asked I think Alfred so. Hitchcock, who did all kinds of shit like that? Yeah. Ugh, yuck. Can't do that anymore, kids. Not in this genre, anyway. Mm-mm. I thought it was interesting to watch this as a father for the first time because I expected it to be mm. like more impactful on me. Like I, I was kind of worried about it being like too like bummed out by this, you know, parents struggling with everything your kids going through. Well, you were in Italy the whole time. So. And I think it's mm. just, you know, the divide between me and the metaphysical. I was just like, yeah, it's stressful. I feel the stress of the stuff. It's scary. But like, I didn't have any parent feelings the whole time. It was weird. It's like when we were watching Poltergeist. Like I, I didn't, I wasn't affected as a parent because there's a ghost in the house, but I was affected when they lost their kid. Like that affected me. That whole mentality of going into a room, yeah, and your kid is gone. This movie, I, I don't know if it's because she kind of came off older, and between the trucker's mouth. Like, yeah. there was just a lot of things that I couldn't really relate to as a father because my kids aren't like that. But you have to admit that when the mom laughs and covers her mouth in the yes. doctor's office, that's yeah. all of yeah. us with our kids. Like, Yes. Although I did kind of see my daughter, like, before she became uh, manifested, like, uh, those early scenes of Reagan, I, I saw my daughter in, like, a couple years yeah. being like that. So it kind of hit me a little bit. But once all the makeup started coming on, I wasn't really feeling it. I just looked at it as cool. I don't know if today's people would call this the scariest movie ever made. It's not. Yeah, the DVD but I can case understand. says it is. Who? The DVD <laughs> case says it is. Well, you know, that was made up in a marketing room 40 years ago. It's where they tell all the lies. Yeah. Nearly 50 years ago. Can you believe that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because this is two years older than me, this movie. God, 50 years ago, Jeez. Weird Al is putting an angiogram into some lady's neck. Like, <laughs> Weird that, Al. Do- that doctor looked just like Weird Al. It- um, so you're saying that, and then you're not following it up, so you must not know. That doctor ended up being a serial No, kid. it's not that doctor. It's another guy in the background. It's not that one. I didn't tell. I, I didn't know if we were going to go into it with George, but no, it's some bearded... He's like an orderly or something. He's not the main doctor oh, okay. that looks like Weird Al. I thought Al. it was him. It's a different guy with a beard. But yeah, he's a real-life okay. real life murderer. Ooh. Yeah, someone in that movie so killed So one somebody. of the doctors in this movie, or some medical personnel in this movie, is an actual IRL killer. He was an IRL hospital employee who managed to be in a couple of shots. And then mm. also IRL killed, like, men he found at clubs and stuff. It's kind of like that basketball card for tops where the Menendez brothers are sitting three seats from the bench and you can see both of them in the background. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, like two years before they killed their parents. I mean, people, wow. that happens way more, I'm sure, nowadays since we all have cameras. Probably every mm. serial killer is caught photobombing somebody else and we just don't realize it. Hmm. 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 Did you know that they have, like, I learned this in psychology class when we were learning about subliminals. They have, like, an underlying track of, like, animal sounds through, like, half this movie just to make you feel uncomfortable. 
like bees, like the buzzing of bees and like slaughtered pigs. And it's during all like the slow stuff at the beginning, right? When they're trying to like set yeah. up that atmosphere of like there's something wrong in this house and now it's gone because you're in the hospital, but now you're back in the house and they're mm-hmm. a little something. Yeah, it's cool. It's very uh, effective. I wasn't aware of how many times that face flashed. I knew of a couple times, but watching it on Blu-ray, I caught a lot more. It flashed a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. I just wish it had been faster. Because, yeah, the couple of times I caught it, I was like, damn it, just five less frames. And I would have been so into this. The one that stuck me hard was the one in the the kitchen when the lights were flickering. That was too long. It was long, but I wasn't expecting it. So I, I it, like, stuck out. That and the mother at the end. I like the one that's over her face just for a split second. Yes. Because it's more like the psycho thing where like if you aren't paying good attention you'll miss it completely. Well, Reagan's face does that right before she grabs the psychiatrist by the balls. Yep. I never saw that before either. So I was like, oh, catching stuff. So was she. Those balls. Hey George, if you had to guess how old the older priest who did the exorcist uh Mm-hmm. If you were to guess how old Father Marin was, how old do you think he was when they made this movie? I mean, they made him look old, so I'm guessing he's younger than he looks. He is. And you're not making this as fun as you could have by guessing an old age and then being surprised. <laughs> how old do I think he looked? Like at first glance, if you're like, hey, this guy's the old priest, he's going to come fight the devil again, he's going to die of a heart attack. He's like 72. 44 years old. Holy shit. Mm. This guy, uh, Max von Sydow, fought death on a chessboard in The Seventh Seal, which is one of my favorite kind of uh, sort of pretentious black and white movies. Then he fights and helps to defeat Pazuzu in this and lives long enough that he died in 2020. Mm-hmm. And he was in an wow. Argento movie, guys. Later, way later. One of the kind of crummier ones. But still, whoa, heck of an actor. Oh, yeah. Swedish, you know. He played Ming the Merciless, too, in uh, Flesh Gordon. Yes, he did. Were his pills, like, heart pills? Yeah. That, that was? Yeah, they were like nitro, not nitroglycerin. What, what, they, what was that right? It might be nitro pills. I'm not big on my cardiology. Yeah, I think they were nitros. But, uh, but yeah, it was definitely, that, that was like their establishing shot. So later they could be like, well, his heart's almost gone. You're like, oh, twice now mm. I've learned that his heart is bad. I'm sure I'll file this information away for later. Foreshadow. I mean, I honestly wasn't sure if this was like a medical thing or like if this was his vice. Mm. You know? Maybe that's how he got over his battle with the demon, man. Popping Smarties out of an Altoids container. I guess Altoids out of an Altoids container. (laughs) (laughs) Altoids out of a pocket. You gotta get those fresh breath, man. Take that, Pazuzu. (sighs) Mint. Demons hate mint. And they always say that take those pills with a full glass of water he's doing like a shot of tea dad that was brandy bro that's iraqi tea nah it's brandy bro yeah look that up it's tea it's brandy (laughs) (laughs) i like the one technical detail we're gonna have to follow up on with the producers is the tea brandy conversation yeah 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 the devil whatever uh can we talk about the tea brandy (laughs) (laughs) was it tea or brandy You've got five minutes to talk to William Peter Blatty. 
figure it out. That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm no, asking. I'm getting into the, the, the source material, my friend. I have a chance to talk to him. Mm. Pazuzu? You're going to call call B-Dog? No. No, the, the, the transcripts of those exorcisms he, he based his book on. That's what we're talking about. Oh. He and I. He and I, you and he in the room that George can't see but keeps talking to you through the Ouija board? Mm. Ooh. Keep that shit away from me. <laughs> Especially if the uh, the medallion is not plastic and it's like one of those old wood ones. Dude, I'm telling you, I've I've seen those things at the flea market and I've literally steered clear. Never even walked near it. I don't care if there's nine Marvel, you know, uh, <laughs> first issues of <laughs> X Men. You know, it's like if you have to thumb through this now. If there's an amazing fantasy 15, maybe I might touch that Ouija board <laughs> just to get past, it. just to get past it, get that amazing <laughs> fantasy. But yeah, I, I would have, I would have to put on, I'd probably ask somebody to move it. <laughs> Dan, we need you like, to move the Ouija board like, again. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I really need that amazing fantasy 15. Can you move that fucking devil board? Thanks. Like, yeah, I'll move the amazing <laughs> fantasy board so you can have your amazing fantasy 14. Okay. I, I would have trouble bringing that comic home if it was actually touching that board. Just saying. I'm one of them. I have to people. bless it. Have it blessed. <laughs> Get it rated. Get me some sage. Then bless it. Yeah. Get it graded yeah, and then bless it. <laughs> CGC Sage. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a million dollar book right there. Oh my goodness. So George, is it the scariest movie you've seen this year? No. What was scarier to you? I don't know. I have to think about it's it. It's okay. You're with friends. You can admit that you're scared. I mean, what if we watched this year that was actually going to scare George? Like, Poltergeist, maybe. This one, maybe. The zombie movies weren't intended to scare you, although 28 Days mm-hmm. Later has some moments that are kind of tense, but they're not like th- stick with you scary. I think Scream might have been the scariest for you. Yeah, you really didn't like the phone it. call thing. I did like the phone call. But I mean, like, it, it, it was, like, worked. I, I mentioned, yeah, I did say multiple times, this is actually scary. Yeah. Like, this is pretty Un- scary. Unsettling. But that was just one scene in the And movie. I'm sure we won't file that away for later, audience. You don't have mm. to tell us. We know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I've really been scared by a movie. Mm-hmm. See, I would never call The Exorcist scary. I would definitely call it unsettling. I thought the first hour was fucking scary, man. But, like, not for the reason that you guys did, just because it was a well-made kind of tense with eerie yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's definitely like, tense. Made me uncomfortable. If you, add the, if you add the supernatural to it, something that wasn't really affecting you, it makes it even, it does make it even more unsettling because here's this innocent little girl who did nothing but be a little girl and is now subjected to this. That To me, that's scary. Because you think about your kids, you're like, it could be symbolism for, you know, sending your kid out to the world and them being attached to horrible friends or horrible job, which brings them horrible friends, or they pick horrible choices in life. And it's just like addiction. Or yeah, addiction or whatever. Like it can happen, be a yeah. symbolism for anything. But when you you have this child and it's like that kid did absolutely nothing to deserve what happened to her. Yeah, but the way the movie was, plays it up, it's like, well, she's being raised by like three different nannies, an absent mom, and a dad who left the country. So if you want to look at like yeah. what is really happening in her life, like we don't see enough of like 
her temptations and her development, right? Yeah. Like there's an out there. It's not necessarily fun to think about, but there. Well, if that's the case, then she's pretty well rounded. She just wants a horse, man. She just, <laughs> she wants, just wants what every thirteen year old and girl a cookie wants. that her mom wouldn't let her have. Yeah, like <laughs> she that's really all. got tackled for that cookie. They might, yeah. they might have some body issues in that house. <laughs> you will not eat that fucking cookie. In our house, it'd be like, yeah, bring me one too, dude. Yeah. Cookies all around. It's like, but that's your last one. That's your last one. But bring me one <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah. Like, I mean, if we got cookies, we eating cookies. And how hard could her life be? She had a ping pong table in the basement. It's true. Right next to the Ouija board. It's true. And she probably had somebody to play ping pong with too. Captain Howdy. Psh. Captain Howdy. Dangerous <laughs> in the corners. He's, he's got a mean serve. Mm. Mm. That's not funny. So where do we go from here, Travis? I mean, I know where we go, but like, let's frame it like we're actually discussing it. We know exactly where we're going next. Okay. Where, let's ask George where he wants to go, maybe. Pick his brain. Scare me. You want to be scared, but we don't know what scares you. What does scare George? I don't know. Find something. Mm. I don't like that response. I want to be scared. I wish they would make a movie about the three days of darkness. That would be pretty scary. Yes. If I don't know what your fears are, then I don't know how to scare you. I mean, it could be an Audrey Hepburn movie for all I know. A couple of Cher movies, pretty scary <laughs> to me, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's Mask is scary, but not for mask. the reasons they intended. No. All right, so. George doesn't know what scares him. Give... Yeah, We're just going to have to keep trying. We're going to push all We're the buttons gonna... until we get him to be actually <laughs> a little scared. We're just going to start throwing Oscar award-winning movies at him and see what happens. <laughs> right. To celebrate next week. The birth of our country. The birth of our nation. We are going to visit Amityville, New York area, New England. Okay. Not for Amityville Horror, but for... Steven Spielberg. Hey, George. Hey, George. Hey, George. We are watching, we are watching, we are watching, we are watching. <laughs> Jaws? Jaws? Yes. Yeah, man. Okay. We're going... I doubt that's going to scare me, though. I doubt it, too. But it's definitely a movie I have but to watch. But we got to try it. It's definitely a movie It's July 4th. Maybe it's Sea Creatures. That I ha- that scare me. I don't Maybe know. Maybe you're just gonna so. want a bigger boat. I don't know. See, knowing George, I think the road of supernatural can be the most scary if done correctly. I think him. you're right. I don't think any monsters, any animals, any people are gonna scare George. He needs something absolute that affects his his uh reality of faith, I think. I think I have some fine ideas for when we get back from our July 4th uh, celebration of the safety of the water. But for now, (laughs) thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class podcast. As always, you can find us at Twitter and Instagram at at Remedial Film Pod. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Remedial Film Pod. You can also email us at RemedialFilmPod at gmail.com. If you saw this episode on YouTube, we're also on every podcatcher you can think of. And if you heard this on a podcast, we're also on YouTube. So feel free to cross-pollinate your uh, remedial film class experience as best you can, because we've got exclusive features on either platform.
We'll see you back next week for Steven Spielberg's classic, Jaws. See, I'm tough too, because I've never really honestly been scared of anything in the movie. Bullshit, man. I'm like you. I'm just watching the movie. I know it's not real. So why would it scare me? Right. But I do get stressed if the movie's done well and I get stressed for the characters. I think I said that last week. Yeah. Like if if this movie was designed to just stress me out the entire time, it accomplished that. Yeah. Not scary, but... I'm not afraid anymore. Stressed out. Word. Well, I think that uh, our 25-foot friend might be stressful. For a few people in this movie. Maybe. Especially the Kittner boy. Yes, definitely. And, you know, when the lights are off and it's quiet and you hear a noise in the distance, maybe you'll think of Pazuzu and be like, oh, that wasn't in there before. <laughs> What's funny is he has people living above him. You hear noises at night. That would that would freak me out. Definitely. And it's that thing where, yeah, like. Yeah, my neighbor's wife might be possessed. It might be. <laughs> no, that's just. She's just having a good time, bro. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, supposedly she she's, is screaming about God a lot. She's though. quote unquote <laughs> exercising. I don't know. Oh, oh nice. Jesus. She's doing Pilates, but that's just the guy's name. But maybe it's just the couch going, you know, like <laughs> rocking. She redecorates just, in the middle yeah. of the night. She's upgraded from Shaking. Pazuzu to Pilates. <laughs> the Greek guy. Oh, my.